Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. Network Asia. Speak the truth. At all possible times, as much as I can, in whatever level people are prepared. Because the truth doesn't always have to be deep. It can also be superficial, but it's real. And so at every turn, I want to be truthful to others and to myself. And if there will be some things that need to be said that might rock the boat, keep going. Tell the truth. There's nothing to lose when you tell the truth to yourself and others. The second one is, I'm done looking back at what I did not do, what I did not get, who did what to me, and when will my justice be served? I've laid it all down, and now what I want is to show up for the people in my life, the ones who are still here, give them the best of myself. listening to Project Loving Myself Podcast, a well-being podcast that shares stories of self-love, mental fortitude, and self-discovery. Hosted by life designer and well-being coach, Sanaya Gurnamal. Hi, I'm Sanaya Gurnamal, and this is the Project Loving Myself Podcast. Join me each week as we navigate through aha moments, new ideas, and flashes of insight from candid conversations that inspire you to get started on your own project of loving yourself. Because the most important relationship you will ever have is the relationship that you have with yourself. You matter. This is Project Loving Myself. A bright and beautiful hello to you today. Let me check in with you. Are you doing okay? Are you feeling like yourself? What are you grateful for today? Take a minute and just ponder over that. I've been thinking a lot about change in my life. When do you know it's the right time for change? Do you wait for things? To not work out to make a change? That is human nature, isn't it? Pain and suffering are huge motivators. And where there is pain, often from failure or loss, then you better believe that we are sitting up to take notice. Fears are also big motivators in our life. But what if we could make changes in our lives before things got really bad? Wouldn't it be easier to make changes from a good place rather than in response to our fears? What if we could anticipate that things have run their course, that we have reached the end of the season, we have exhausted every door, that it's time to take a bow and exit stage left? I'm talking about recognizing when you've gotten to a point in your life where you know that a choice or a decision has to be made because you can't keep listening to the same sad song. 
These crossroads often show up as an itchy feeling, a sense of discomfort, or maybe just something unsettled somewhere in the body or even in your mind. Have you felt that before? The thing about change is that it is not easy. The uncertainty of the unknown can cause a lot of stress. We prefer to cling to the comforts of what we know than take a gamble on our chances. It's like spinning the wheel and not knowing where you will land. I'd rather just stay here, right? Talking about change takes me back to episode 1 of the series premiere of HBO TV show Game of Thrones. It was called Winter is Coming. That title and line really stuck with me because it is a perfect way of describing what change feels like for most people. When change is imminent, we know we have to prepare for it. Because change often brings with it troubling times, at least until we adjust to the change or we learn to live with it. Change is coming was also the campaign slogan for Duterte when he ran for the presidency in 2016. For his supporters, it may have sounded like he was leading the people to the promised land, but for most others, his presidency was heralded with changes that weren't always comfortable for the people. In a nutshell, change is something that most people run from, but maybe it is something we should be running towards. The verdict is still out on that one. But I've brought someone on our show today who might be able to draw the curtain on this one. Delamar Arias was the DJ of one of the longest-running morning shows on FM radio, RX93.1's The Morning Rush. After over 20 years of being on radio, Del left the show, moved to Utah with her family, and now co-hosts the Spotify-exclusive Eavesdrop podcast from there. Talk about making changes on steroids. We talked to her today on Project Loving Myself, about making life-changing decisions and reinventing herself. Welcome to the show, Del. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> How are you, Del? It is nighttime where you're at and it is morning here in the Philippines. So, hello is the best way to start uh, this conversation. That's so true. I mean, uh, ever since pandemic hit and you know, you get to Zoom with people, You just never know where they're from, what time of day it is. So hello is the is the easiest, safest way to greet people. Hello. Absolutely. <laughs> hello. Exactly. Hello. How are you? Cuz wherever you are, whatever time of day, there's obviously something or the other going on in everyone's lives. So today we're going to get into what's happening in yours. Um but of course, before I get to what's going on in your life today, I want to know about how you made all these major changes in your life. Um especially with leaving the morning rush, which I'm sure was a huge huge decision to make. What were the events Dell that led up to such a big decision? So it's a lot like what you were saying earlier when you were uh, talking about how there's something you asked the question how do you know it's time for change? And uh I remember that so okay I'll start like this. I approached doing the show for 20 something years first in RX for 20 years and then I think 2 years in Magic. 
I love being on radio. I, I love being able to do a talk show and just have fun and all that. But there came a time. So for me, every time I would do the show, I felt like a bull, you know, waiting to be let into the arena every day. Like, come on, let's go. I'm ready. I'm ready. Come on, let's do this. But then, you know, something happened and it, I didn't recognize it right away. But it would leave me with this feeling of, hmm, feel like I didn't hit the mark. And it's, it's a very uh, subjective mark, but it's also a feeling I have about my performance. And then I didn't, I didn't really, I said, oh, maybe it's a bad day. And then I just kept putting it off. And then, but the pattern emerged, which made me think I've never felt like this. And it was the beginning of the end <laughs> for me. And I was just, I, I didn't recognize that I was headed for change. There was just a discomfort or a difference in where I was, how I was feeling um, when I did things. It didn't seem to like I, like, I like this thing where I feel like I got punched in the heart, whether that's through laughter or something scary or something real or, or really touching. And the show did that for me. But when it, I guess I changed also. I was wanting to talk about other things. I had become a mom um, five years before, and I noticed I was wanting to talk about some other things because my life had changed. And it, it couldn't exist in that show. And so I felt like, okay, I think I have to go. And... It scared me. It scared me so much. Like, am I allowed to curse? <laughs> but <laughs> it's, it, am I? Because that's the only word that seems to match the feeling. Like, I was scared shitless when I, when I finally just thought of the words, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave the show. And I'm like, what are you talking about? This has been the centerpiece of your life. You built this. You have been known to be doing this. What are you talking about? But I knew that I wasn't just scared. There was something about it that made me go, I'm scared, but I'm also, I can't wait to see what's around the bend. (laughs) I don't know why I did that, but sometimes like, I really get myself into a lot of these big jumps. And sometimes when I look back, that's when I really feel like, what were you thinking, girl? (laughs) You didn't think that through, but it seemed to me at the time I was being guided by I don't know what, but something was leading me to do whatever I did. I totally relate. It makes so much sense. And I want to highlight a couple of things that you said. Um, You said that you noticed that that punch in the heart was missing, right? So it was like a feeling. You also mentioned that you just felt like you weren't hitting the mark or you weren't kind of performing completely or like to the best of your ability, right? So it's kind of like the feelings were guiding you that something was off. And and that's one thing I've noticed is the heart always seems to know before the mind. Yes. Right. Before we can kind of, and you also mentioned, I was, 
sometimes I'm not thinking it through and I'm like, Dell, what am I doing? You mentioned that as well. <laughs> yeah. But that's like the brain that's mm. trying to think it through. But I think the heart really knows what we have to do. Yeah. And I guess because many people and a lot of people that I coach and I work with, that is the issue is we're so out of touch with our emotions, with what we're feeling that we tend to lean towards what the brain, what the yeah, mind think. is telling us we must do, or we're expected to do, or, you know, the logical thing to do, like the logical thing to do is not to leave something you have built yes. for that long. Right. Yeah. If you had to rely on your brain, you'd be like, you know, I'd be crazy. I'd be stupid. Exactly. Right. Yeah. A lot of people, I'm sure I know that your fans and people who are following your show, they were all devastated when you decided to leave, because I remember reading somewhere that it was like they thought they would listen to you forever. (laughs) You were the voice, you know, that was that would be in their lives in that space forever. Right. 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 And, And probably you thought of it like until the unforeseeable future. Yeah. This is where I'm at. So I, I was, I had it in my head in my uh, late 20s and early 30s that I was going to stay on the FM band as long as I can because that had never happened before. I mean, a- after a certain age, most women fall out of the industry because they get married, they choose to have their families. So nobody really stays. But my story was I was a single girl for such a long time. And then, and then I thought, you know, maybe I'm never going to get married well, then, if that's true, I want to stay on radio for as long as I can. Like, if I could make it to 60 or 55, still on radio, I was like, yeah, I, I'm I want to do it. <laughs> but, you know, life has other plans. And I think also um, motherhood was such a transformative event in my life, in any woman's life, really. But for me, it was like I am a totally different person after becoming a mother. And then I looked at everything in a different way. All of a sudden, it wasn't all about me. It was all about the kids and what would be best for them and how to solidify my marriage and all that. And I had, I simply had never thought like that before because I was single and only had myself to consider in most situations So I guess it was really, you're right. It was time. And long before I knew it was time, my body knew it was telling me in very quiet ways, in whispers. (laughs) In whispers. I love that. In whispers. And that's really how the heart, the body speaks. It's in whispers, you know, doesn't really necessarily come at you um, with a bang unless you don't listen for a really long time. Yep. And then if you keep ignoring it, then you might get, you know, like a big whack in, in the butt or something. Uh-huh. And that would come in, in disease or in depression or yes. in nervous breakdowns. And those are things that happen when we don't listen to the whispers. Right. And then, you know, we end up in like a midlife crisis. Yeah. Or we end up in, in a situation where like, how did we get here? Yes. Well, the, way we, the way we got there is we didn't listen. Um, and so, you know, I really kind of want to want to talk about, I wanted to talk about this, Dell, because 
I kind of feel the stirrings in my own heart of change, like change is coming. That's why even in my introduction, yeah, came you know, the like as I was writing, yeah, I'm like, first of all, winter is coming and then change <laughs> is coming. And these thoughts were kind of going in my own mind. Um, there's been a lot of changes in my life since the pandemic. I have three kids now, which is something that is, um, you know, it's been a year. My, my, as I was telling you, my baby is now a toddler. She turned one. Um, and so now I'm officially a mother of three children. Before I had two children and a baby, yes. it was different. You know, I'm yeah. thinking I'm still suspended in that, that stage of, of baby, which is very different. Yes. Once they turn into a toddler, they yes. have their, you know, their own mind uh-huh. and they're a person that, <laughs> you know, it, it's yeah. different. You can relate, I'm sure. So, so much. now I have these, I have these three children and it's different. You're right. It's different. And I can kind of hear in your voice, some of the things that I'm grappling with, which is I've always been someone who's been very dedicated to my path, my purpose. You could call it my career. Um, in my case, it's being a coach and a healer and an entrepreneur. Okay. And I've, I've identified with that for such a long time in my life. And now I'm a mother. Mm-hmm. And I guess I also had two boys and my husband is, you know, like he's very involved. I think even more than a regular involved dad, cause he didn't have a father. His father died when he was four. So we had the kind of relationship with two children where I never felt like I'm the mom and it's all on me. Mm-hmm. I really felt like I was sharing a lot of the, um, the, the parenting with my, my husband and having two boys. There were a lot of things that he naturally took over yeah. because they're boys, mm. you know, but now that I have a girl, it <laughs> feels a little different and it feels like my responsibilities are a little bit different. And as a result, I've seen myself change a lot more with my third child, you know, it's like I could get away with the two and still having my career be a huge part of my life. And now it feels a little different. Now it feels like these are three children that they're growing up and they're going to need a lot more guidance. Like how these three children turn out depends a lot on what I share with them as they, as they grow up. Like I am the you know, I'm one half of the influence. Yeah. Maybe even makes them maybe even more <laughs> for maybe now. Even yeah. More. Maybe even more, yeah. you know? And, and so that puts a completely different spin of what I'm doing with my life. I find myself yearning more and more for free time, mm-hmm. um, for time to just be, mm-hmm. um, and somehow these yearnings, which are very much in my body. Yeah are in conflict with the very many things that I do in my own life. And so I can feel that, you know, I can feel that, that change is coming, that the next one, two years, I'm probably going to see a lot of change in the way my life um, is going to look. And one of the things you said is that it was, you were scared shitless. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I totally totally hear you. 
And so how did you deal with that, Del? Like being scared shitless of change. I mean, you were leaving something you knew for for that long. I don't know if 20 years is right. It's about 20 years. Yeah, even longer, I would say. Even longer. I would say about 24, 23 years. Um, That's a a long time of familiarity with the industry. The identity. The industry and the identity. Yeah. Right? That you had worn for so long. Right. So how did you, how did you get out of that? How did you leave that space? Did you have to find a new Dell? Did you have to reinvent, recreate? Um, and, uh, and another thing I'm going to throw in, I know I'm throwing a lot of things at you, but there is a, sort of a lot in my mind also that um, is coming up with these, these ideas and thoughts, but control, uh-huh. right? Didn't yeah. it feel like control was something you really had to address in your life at that point? So it strikes me as um, interesting and amusing that we have kind of the same pattern in our family life, right? Two boys and then the girl. I have, this, I have the same. And you're right. The call of quitting my job was initially... I knew that mornings were so important for my children, waking up, having conversations, um, eating breakfast, getting them ready for school. And it's a time to build this habit. All of these fundamentals have to be there. But my show was in the morning. So if I were to keep my my job, I would miss that. And immediately I understood that as much as I really loved what I did, what we did uh, for the industry and our show, I knew that being a mother and a parent was the work of a lifetime. This is even bigger than me. And I knew that because of my own childhood, my own experiences, I really wanted to be there for my children. I wanted to know them. As a matter of fact, when people would interview me, you know, from parenting topics and all that, they would always ask me, so what kind of mom are you? And I said, what do you mean? And they would say, are you a tiger mom? Are you a, a, a cool mom? You know, and I was like, none of those. <laughs> uh, these are not my goals. My goal is to emotionally connect to my children. I want to know who they are. And it simply, I simply couldn't serve two masters. I was going to fail with one of them and I was not ready to fail in radio. And I was not going to fail in my family life if I could help it. And so that was the impetus to, to move. What I did not know <laughs> was that when you move the way that I did to a place where I have no friends, I have no family, nobody that it was going to be a death of some kind because I had for 20 years and then some, and then some, I was this girl and, and I had built that identity around the job I did. So I thought, yeah, I'm Dell the DJ. I'm Dell the host. Now take that all away. I'm in America. Nobody knows me. You are just another person walking down with your kids. You're nothing special. Nobody's going to say hi or, hey, I listened to your show. It was funny today or something, nothing like that. And you would blend into the background, which you're not used to when you're in the entertainment industry. 
And that's when I realized, I go, oh my gosh, then who am I? I thought I was Dell, the Gabby chick on the radio. And it turns out that's just a, it's a role I played. It's this thing I did. It's not who I am. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. So what am I supposed to do? It was very painful because you have, it's like nothing was familiar. <laughs> you, I was acutely aware that I was in a land of strangers. I did not have anybody who was just there for me. So that was the hardest part. I was like, well, who am I? And then I started to separate. No, that was your job. That's not who you are. And I go, oh, okay, so what am I going to do now? Well, what's in front of you? My family. I talk to myself like this because it helps me understand the next, the chain of questioning that goes on in my head and I need to supply the answer so I can follow the train all the way to the stop. Hopefully the destination will give me a clear vision of what I should do or how I should think. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You know, you're coaching yourself, right? Down? <laughs> You, you recognize that. I mean, that is what you would pay a coach hundreds of dollars, uh -oh. you know, to do. That's what Jelly tells me. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're literally doing what people are trained as coaches to do. I had learned this. Uh, I had learned this thing because uh, as a child, I was mainly we were kind of neglected and you had to like really um, understand and process a lot of things by yourself. And it was very confusing. It was a very emotionally confusing time for me as a child. I was over, always overwhelmed by these emotions and I didn't know what to do with them. And I did not have an, an adult who would ask me what was happening. And so I had learned to I guess growing up and listening to other people um, with their experiences, it helped me. It helped me kind of hone in on how to how to get to the me, how to get to the voice, how to get to what I really want. Because sometimes I lie to myself. I realize that. And so I keep asking, why did you do that to him? Oh, because blah, blah, blah. No, that doesn't sound true. Oh, because that. No, no. And then I say something. That's it. That's it, Del. And sometimes when you say that's it, it's kind of like the truth holds up a mirror in front of you and you're like, you're not all that girl. 
you're not, you didn't do that in the best possible way. And so I, I learned early on to keep asking until I hit the truth. And I know there's no, um, test if that's the truth, but I go by the feel of it. If it does not give me space to breathe and to feel okay, then it's not probably not the one I'm looking for. You know, Del, I, I, um, I just want to share something that I teach my students. It's exactly what you're saying. And I teach them that look for the truth that shall set you free. There's a truth in every situation that will set you free from the confines of, you know, where you've put yourself. And when that, that's how you know it's the truth is like you feel a sense of relief or freedom or like, Right. Yeah. And that's kind of what you were describing is just that you sense that feeling of like, ah, yeah, yeah, that's, that's it. That's it. Yeah. That's the truth, you know, and the truth can show up as a positive or as a negative. Like it can be the negative, the negative that I didn't want to see mm-hmm. about what I did mm-hmm. or in myself that I'm running away from or I'm hiding from. And the truth also could be that realization that this is the better way. Yeah. This is kind of the, the, the highest truth of the situation. Like truth could be in both ways. So, um, so I just wanted to share that. The way it appeared to me was, uh, so I had been in and out of relationships, you know, great starts, spectacular, you know, and spectacular <laughs> disasters <laughs> to, to conclude it. And so I had been very lonely for a while. I had been in my cave for four years. I didn't want to date. I was just so traumatized. And then I didn't, I was feeling unsettled, like, what is going on? All of a sudden, I meet up a friend and she and I were talking and I said, you know, I just, I just want to pray that God takes away the desire to have love. If it's not in the books for me, take out the desire so I can live my life peaceably and not pine And as soon as I recognized that that was the prayer for me, I could feel like, ah, like surrender, acceptance, like let the chips fall where they may. I can handle it. It, it, That's how I know that was the right prayer for me. That was the truth for me. And it certainly helped me. And kind of not even two years after that, I found um, my now husband. It's very weird. <laughs> it's it's when you surrender, isn't it? You just kind of surrender to whatever it is. Yeah. Okay. Whatever it is in your life. And everyone has their own idea of who they need to surrender to. Maybe it's the universe. Maybe it's God. Um, whatever it may be. But I think when we give up that stress, that control, mm-hmm. that like, you know, need for things to be a certain way yes the should have the should have would have could have yeah then we allow things to happen the way that they are meant to happen for us and then you ask yourself what was i fighting this whole time for <laughs> what's going yeah. on like okay okay so yeah. it's in it's in um you get it by releasing it that's the paradox right just release it, it and you'll get it back whatever that may be I love that. You get it by releasing it. It feels like it. <laughs> you know, I experience I, I say that. 
It's true. No, I say that about manifestation too. Like if you really want something in your life, really want to manifest something, you got to put it out there and then you got to completely let it go. Like if your brain is just like, when is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? Is it going to happen the way I want it to happen? Yeah. How much time is it going to take? <laughs> like when you start going into that loop, right? Yes. That's the stress. That's the anxiousness. That's the the grappling the insecurity, yeah. the grappling and the insecurity, yes. the doubt yes. and all of that gets in the way. But if you're just kind of like, okay, I'm putting it out there and of course it's going to come. So I'm just going to forget about it until it does show up until it does manifest. Then when you get it, it's like, oh yeah, you know, this is what I wanted. I'm happy to have it. And <laughs> I didn't waste my time wondering when and if it would be. Yeah. So I went on with my life and that's really when I see things like soulmates and manifestations of every kind um, show up. But okay, Dill, I want to circle back to the thread of the conversation that we were already starting to pull, which was you recognize that what you were doing on the radio was what you were doing, but it wasn't who you are. Okay. That because we went from there into a, a kind of a tangent, which was great. But I want to go back to this because I feel like there's something there. What was that like, Del? Kind of pulling away what you were doing with your life, the role you play. You mm. said it was the role you played. Yeah. And figuring out who you really are. And I love also you share the story about walking down the street in the U.S. and like, no one knows you. You're anonymous. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're like nobody. And that's almost the best place to actually find yourself when you are no one yeah. to anyone. Nobody has any idea of you. There's no judgment. Yeah, you can just There's be. no expectation. <laughs> yes. you, you can kind of start from scratch yeah. because there's no one holding you to the identity you had created for yourself up until that point. I mean, true. you honestly had the best um, opportunity to kind of figure out who you are because you started from being totally anonymous yeah. in a place where you were free. <laughs> yeah. You were free to be who you chose to be. So tell me about that. So to me, it wasn't so clear. I have to say that when these things happen in my life, I feel like, I don't have the quote right now, but one of the writers, uh, the writer of Color Purple had talked about how sometimes when we're in growth, the seed doesn't know what it has to do. It just pushes, 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 pushes. What is it pushing towards? It doesn't know until it breaks the surface and it sees the sun and then it opens up. Ah, this is it. This is what I want. And so when you're in that growth, you don't know. And that's what's so scary. You don't know what's happening. So when all I could see was what I had lost, the me I knew, that's all I could see. I did not see the opportunity to rebuild who I am. That's not what I saw. However, the pandemic had hit and there were things to be done at home. And I had to do all of these things with my family, with my children, running a household, you know, I'm not a domesticated person at all. I didn't really know how to cook until I was, I don't know, 37, <laughs> something like that, you know? Um, and so I had to really learn. I learned how to garden. I learned how to all do all of these things simultaneously. And so I think it's amazing that I did not lose my mind. But uh, when the world started opening up, 
then I could let out the pressure. But that's for another <laughs> another conversation. But yeah, so I built myself, I guess, with the doing of things. And the great thing was the gardening. It helped me look at life, like reality, the natural world was showing to me so many things. I was holding the ground and I was like, look at this. There's so many things in this soil that I just ignored walking, you know, to and from my house. And, and, and there are worms and there are bugs and this bug does this and this snail does this. And all of a sudden I was in full swing of learning. And I think I really liked learning. It gave me this like a fuel to go on. Because now I, you need to cook, Del. Nobody's cooking. Yaya's not here. <laughs> you got to cook yourself. Del, you got to wash all these plates. You got to learn how to drive in the U.S. You got to learn how to talk to people here. Because no matter how they always say, oh, you speak so well. It's like you're not even Filipino. They say that to me. And I'm like, but when you're here and you're talking to them in the specific part of the United States, they have an accent you're not quite familiar with. You're familiar with the most likely New York, Chicago, or California accent. So when I was here, it was very, I was very insecure and embarrassed when I would try to squint to try to understand people. And I learned to step into the not knowing. Del, you don't know. Okay, I don't know. So I'm going to ask people. <laughs> So I'll just ask them if I can't understand them. I'm sorry. I, can you say that again? I'll just a little bit slower. And I re realized I was correcting this pride in myself. Like, who do you think you are that you can't make a mistake? You're just a human being. And I was like, oh, yeah. And so all of these things that were happening, it was not a raindrop. This was a hurricane. And I and the center couldn't hold at times, <laughs> but it was just everything all at once. And I don't know, but I'm still standing. And I think what anchored me was just the knowing of why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's as if I heard um, this uh, intellectual said, if you know the why of your life, then you can handle all the how. So... The why of my life is I moved here for my kids and for my, my marriage. Okay, how? It's going to be hard. You're going to have to do a lot of things that you didn't know before. Okay, well, that's what it entails, this new life. And when I could talk to myself about my life like this, I could understand it. And I could be more at peace with it. So I think that's, that's how it happened for me, the changing so beautiful. Um, there are two questions that I love from what you said. Um, who am I when you take away everything that I do? So that's a great question. I think for anyone listening in who kind of wants to go down this rabbit hole, <laughs> um, you might want to ask, who am I if I take away everything that I do? And am I comfortable with that person? Do I know that person? Mm -hmm. And the second question is, what is my why and the how will follow? I love that statement, you know, that question that you posed. Um, and I think a lot of us don't know what is our why. And it's really funny that you said this because a couple of days ago, I was talking to a friend of mine 
Um, she is someone, um, who's done theta healing. She's a friend, but she's also been a student and we were just kind of chatting and she was struggling with something in her life. And it was, um, it was kind of interesting because because I was giving her, I was sharing some some insight that I had, uh, questions I asked her to you know go back and think about, and one of the things I told her to do is, what is the why of what you're doing? Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, you know, I just like doing this, and I'm good at this, and you know, it's it's uh it's my comfort zone, and I'm like, no, but that's not a why, okay, mm-hmm. that's yeah. just an excuse or that's a reason. Yeah, what's your why? Mm-hmm. And I kept asking her, what is your why yeah. of what you're doing right now in your life? And we were actually talking about um, something she had ventured into. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I wasn't even talking about the why of her life yet, which I think is such a meaningful and a much bigger question to ask. But I said, what's your why? And as I'm posing the question to her, I'm thinking back to myself and I'm like, Wait a minute. That's a good question to ask myself. <laughs> yes. What is my why? Yeah. Yeah. You know, what is my why? Yeah. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Because maybe along the way we set out to do things for a certain reason. And as we grow, as things happen, yeah. as we make choices and decisions in our lives, mm-hmm. that why may not be relevant anymore. Yes. Or it may not apply. And it might be a long time before we ask that question again. Mm-hmm. And somehow asking that question puts us right back to, you know, thinking about, is this really what I want to do in my life? Is this really the life I want to live? Yeah. Or perhaps I want to do it differently. And, and I think this is why it's important for women to really, really understand that because, you know, the culture, it seems, preps you up to have uh, this life where you get married, then you have kids. But most of us don't ask the, well, why are we doing this? Am I going to do this? We just go along with it because, oh, that's what everyone's doing. And at this age in your life, you this is what you do. And I've always been afraid of doing that because I don't know if I'm ready, if I don't know why. And it's like, that's why I suppose uh, the universe allowed me to be a mother at age 37, not 27. (laughs) This was when I was ready. This was when I understood myself. This was when I understood that being a mother, I want to be an effective mother. And it's not about, oh, don't you want to be a loving mother? Yes, I do. But if you're an effective mother... You're all of that. It means you can do the task of equipping this young human being to go through life. And it's not just about brushing your teeth, eating well, taking a bath, going to school. I mean, the real stuff, who you are, why you do what you do, what do you do when feelings get big? And when I, because I know what kind of parent I wanted to be. In the darkest moments of being a parent, I could pull that out and say, yes, this is just a bad day, but this is why I do it. Like today may be a bad day, but my kids will be better that we went through whatever that was. (laughs) That's what it feels like. You know, I'm so glad you brought this up because this is where I wanted to take the conversation next is exactly this. Um, Because, okay, so I did a couple of exercises with myself. 
And because, um, you know, I'm constantly like you also questioning, curious, trying to figure out and understand what's going on, what I want to do next. And so I was doing this bit of an exercise, also kind of like the why exercise. And I was trying to figure out what is important to me. You know, what, what is really important to me? And the work I do has always been never, it's never been like my, my job. Mm-hmm. It's not like what I do to a living. living. Yeah. It's a calling. Right? It's, it's a call. It's like what I, I can't help it. Like I, I can't decide not to do it because it's so core to who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that's always how I've seen myself at least in, in more than the last decade. Um, that's kind of how I see who I am. And so I'm asking myself these questions, what's important to me. And before I'd say things like to change, you know, to make change in the world, to have impact, to help people like so much of my life benefited from the path I took. I can't not give it back, you know, and it feels, it really, it really creates these stirrings in my heart when I'm working with someone else. And then they, their eyes kind of light up and there's that realization or the understanding, or they just kind of pierce this, this like illusion that they've been living with in their life. And I, I, I literally get in my own heart, yeah. like <laughs> jumps, you know, flutters, like, yes, yeah. you know, like we did it, you know, yeah. and I just feel so happy. But at the same time, when I was doing that exercise of why am I doing what I'm doing? What is really important to me? I kind of shocked myself because I was writing things down like my family. Mm. You know, what, what brings me joy is just being with my family and spending time with my family. And I have to tell you, I was shocked. Yeah. I was also a little bit ashamed. Yes. Because so much of my life, was like, I'm just as good as a man. Cause I come from a culture where, yeah. you know, men are the breadwinners. Men are, you know, they definitely have this superiority over women. Women are the homemakers. Yes. And, you know, of course a lot's changed. And I've talked about that in, in different episodes, but I did come from a, a community, a culture where women get married and take care of the home. Mm. And my mom was like that too. She never worked a day in her life. Right. Uh, my father took care of everything. That's what I grew up with. And so I kind of struggled with that because it was me and my younger brother. Yeah. And I was the only one I would say in my group of friends that would talk about wanting to have a career and doing something. And I didn't want to get married, you know, and And I remember that I had to kind of really fight that because the whole world around me was like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, no, I want to do something with my life. And so I did. I did pursue a career. I did, you know, I did prove that I could stand on my own as a woman. I did prove that I wasn't just, you know, a mom, a wife. I wasn't all those things. And at that time, those were things I ran away from. I didn't have my first child, Del, till I was 35, 36. Oh, great. (laughs) Yes. So much of the same story. I am not domestic at all. Okay. You know, I don't cook. I know how to cook. I lived alone for like seven years. So it taught me a lot of these skills Uh um, when I lived in the U.S. or I was in college and so on. But I can do all those things, but they don't 
really float my boat. Yeah. I'm not like, Oh my God, I want to make this amazing, you know, dinner and I'm going to feel like so good about it. Like that's just not (laughs) ever been my thing. And especially before kids, it's, those are things I ran away from. And so I felt shame when I recognized that all I really wanted was to spend time with my kids, with my husband. What? Like, this is not what I, this is not where I thought I would be if you asked me 10 years ago. And I almost felt like I had betrayed myself Yeah, because I'd spent so much of my life proving otherwise. that I am otherwise, yeah. you know, okay. and this is what I didn't want to end up. And then I kind of grappled with that. And I said, well, if this is what I really enjoy doing, then my life does not reflect that. Yeah. My life is not set up that way. Yeah. It's like what you said. The reason had changed. The why had changed. Right. And I wasn't sure I was okay with that. Yes. You know? Yes. I I feel you so much. (laughs) Yeah. I'm still not sure I'm completely okay with that. Yeah. It almost feels like I won because I figured it out. Yeah. But it also feels like I lost because... Then everybody else was right. Yeah, you ended up doing what exact what everybody told you exactly what you needed to be. Exactly. I grappled with that in the se- in the sense that exactly like that. But I thought to myself, wait a minute. I think because there was a generation of women who were taught they couldn't be anything of consequence outside of the home. There came a generation that wanted to thwart that, to say, no, that's not true. And then there's a generation after that who think, well, actually, I, I want to be a mom. Being a mom is really important. And so you see, yourself, you have to find out that a lot of these things are messaging from the outside. But let's just say you didn't hear these messaging and you just followed what you wanted, you would probably still have done the exact same thing. But not as a reaction to other people, but a response to who you were. Because in your younger years, I suppose, that was really the calling to help people, to help them figure out the moving parts of their lives or deep pain that they're still reacting to. And I think that's such a, it's such an important thing to do for ourselves and for others, right? But then you've done that and you're changed. Yeah. You really changed. And my dreams changed. My dreams changed, you know? Like, I feel like the first part of the journey was, oh, I can do what, I can be whatever I want. You know, I can go out there and I can make my own life. Yes. Just like a man is allowed to do, right? That was the first part of the journey. And then it became, well, okay, I didn't expect this, but I got married. Yeah. And- I'm blissfully happy about being married. I loved it. Yeah. Um, but I'm still, you know, got my career and I'm still doing something. Yeah. I'm still, you know, very driven yeah. by my passion, my purpose. I'm very driven by my purpose. And then it was like, okay, now I'm going to be all about, I can do both. Yes. I can be the wife. I can be the mother, I can handle the house, I can handle all the requirements and responsibilities of running my house well, including, 
you know, making sure there's good food in the house, making sure like if I do a dinner party, I'm going to do it well because I can be that too. You know, I can be the career person, but I can also, you know, take care of myself. I can take care of my home. I can take care of my children. I can do both. Yes. Whatever you want. I, whatever I want. And I can burn the candle at both ends. Yes. I can do that too. Right. And so I pushed myself to exhaustion and then I pulled back and I said, wait, that's not the way I want to live. Yeah. I don't want to be like spreading myself so thin and tired and not doing anything for myself because, you know, naturally women will sacrifice themselves first yes. to take care of <laughs> everybody. <else. laughs> right. So I went through that too. Yeah. And I said, no, that's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to work on me. I'm going to find, and I did that too. I achieved that. And after that journey, I get to the stage where it's like, well, I still love what I do. Yeah. I still will never give that up. But the way I'm which in which I'm doing it, and I think the pandemic yes. was again, like you, the big trigger. Like during the pandemic, I had this beautiful center. It was like 250 square, which is quite quite spacious in the oh, fort. Yeah. It was like my haven. I had a cafe, I had a salon, I mean a spa, I had my space for my training. I had a bookstore. I had everything. It was like my, you know, it was my dream place to spend my time during the day. And that's where I would go. Uh And that was who I was. And then I, you know, I pulled out because of the pandemic and I closed the center and we went online. Mm. We went virtual and it's been two years. And at this point, things are going back to normal. People are starting to do things in person again. Mm. And I'm like, but I don't want to open up a center anymore. Yes, you t- I don't want to I don't want to go back in person anymore. Right. I want to work from home where I'm watching my children grow up around me. Yeah. You know? And my kids are out at school. My my sons are at school from like 6:37. They don't even get home before 3. Mm-hmm. So I have the whole day. Yeah. Of course my daughter is still there very much in the home. I have the whole day, but I don't want to go out there anymore. I had a dream. I'm going to open centers and I had three centers. I'm going to open a resort. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take wellness to like that whole different level. I'm going to do it out there. Yeah. And I don't want to do out there anymore. (laughs) I want to do in here. here. Yes. In In here. here. In my home. Yeah. Like I want to be in my home. And that's kind of the shift um, that I've made in my head. And you know, getting to the point where, you know, I had to deal with the shame and I betrayed myself and I worked through all of that stuff that was coming up as I was figuring this out in my head. And then I realized that it doesn't mean my purpose has changed. It just means the way in which I do my purpose, Mm. the way I carry it out has to change. Right. Right. I'm still making the same impact and effect. Yeah. I'm also prioritizing what really brings me joy, which is to be with my family, right? But I'm also not letting go the part of myself, at least not yet, Mm. that I feel is what I'm here on this planet for. Yeah. So that's where I'm at right where I'm at right now. I haven't quite figured it out. Like it's kind of just in my space right now. I haven't made the changes in my life. And that's why. I'm loving our conversation because you've, you're on the other side. You've already <laughs> Am I? done the, you know, you've already done that work, right? You've, I mean, maybe it wasn't something you set out to do. Uh-huh. It happened. Yeah. All these different changes in your life. Yeah. But you have been through those changes 
And maybe you're doing it the other way around. You did all the changes and then did the inner work. Yeah, right? I think so. I found. Yeah, um, I think it would do so much good for women to acknowledge that there are three phases in our lives. If if you ever care to read the feminist literature, there are three arch- uh, female archetypes. The um, what's the I forgot the 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 young woman the the mother and the crone and women really change a lot in their lifetime not as much as uh, men not as much as us because the way society is set up you're supposed to be a career woman in this day and uh In modern times, that's what you're supposed to be. But then you will have a family. What's going to happen? So a woman, this was explained by one of these podcasts I was listening to. And she said, you know, as a young woman, our society sells you everything from makeup to travel to dreaming of the, the, the guy, the perfect guy. Everything is sold to that young lady. As soon as she becomes a mom, she gets sold things, but that's because she has to buy everything from her family. And then when she's a crone or she's an older woman, she has all this knowledge. And so a woman really transforms, whereas a man, after he graduates, gets married, his life usually stays in the track that he set out. And not even parenting can derail him. Whereas women, it's totally different. You can be a total career woman for 20 years, 15 years, and then all of a sudden change. And you will have to maneuver this change and you're losing a side of you when you do it. And you have to know that that's what's happening so you don't go crazy. And then here we are, you and I, we are now moms. We're now thinking, yeah, we were career women back in the day, but now the call of the home is growing louder and and you have to heed that call because these are human beings that we would set out into the world and if we don't do a good enough job they will have problems and people they interact with will have problems and so now we understand the severity the the seriousness of the task ahead of us some people because when they say when they sell it to us on instagram on social media It's this woman who's having a great time balancing everything. That's not what it is. And it's so intense that the necessity for conversations like we're having is so important for younger women to listen to because they might not know that that's what's ahead of them or what could be ahead of them. And a woman really has to change so much in her lifetime that you have to go, okay, I will. Well, I'm going to be the best that I can be, the full expression of myself at every stage. If I'm the single girl, I'm going to enjoy it. So by the time I become a mother and get all of these obligations and responsibilities pushing you down, tethering you, you know, sometimes it feels like a ball and chain, really. You can't do what you need to do. Now the conflict arises because the need to be a good mother is so in you. It's physical, it's emotional, it's social. But then the individual Sanaya, the individual Dell did not disappear. She still no. wants some things. 
But now she has to put that need <laughs> behind every other thing that is imp more important than herself. And I don't mean to say that you're not important, meaning to say your, your dream as an individual that has nothing to do with anybody now has to take a back seat because you're with a family and that's just the way it is. But Del, so you're, as you say that, your dream has to take a back seat yeah. because you're just with the family. I'm literally getting cringes right now in my tummy yes. because that's the fear. Yes. That's the fear of accepting my dream has to take a back seat. Does it? Does I mean, it? Yeah. How, how is there, is there a different way? Like, I don't want to balance anymore. I don't want that struggle of like, it's my career or my children. Right. I don't want to be there. I did that. I conquered it. You know, I got to a point where I made my peace and I was very comfortable with what, what I was doing or how I was handling things. It's just that now I've grown and I don't want to do it that way anymore. Yeah. I don't want to have to walk a tightrope and do everything well. Yeah. And like, it takes a lot of effort and focus. energy. Yeah. And your focus. And focus. And I don't know if I want to live that way anymore. Yeah. So I'm at that. Okay. I know my children are really important. I've got three of them like you who are very unique individuals who need very different type of parenting styles. Yes. Yes. And they need different things. Yeah. Right. And they, like you said, the responsibility that you are raising human beings and what they do in the world has a lot to do with how prepared or well-equipped yeah. you raise them yeah. to deal with yeah. these things. Right. So I totally feel that, you know, I totally feel that. And I don't want to take a back seat. I don't want my dreams to take a back seat. There must be a different way, Del. Okay. So you and I are come are uh, you and I approach that point from different ends. Because okay. you knew that that's still in you, but it cannot coexist in the way that it's existed prior to having three children, right? Correct. Correct. And that's the decision not to go back into, you know, because I, I had I had like plans before the pandemic. I was going to buy a bigger space. I was going to, you know, that was going to be like my, my next big yeah. thing, the new center. You know, it was something I was very committed to. And now I'm like, oh. I don't even want to go there. Yeah. Like, I don't want that responsibility at this point. You know, I'm, I'm doing different things. I'm writing. Mm. Like my dream life is I'm writing in my quiet time. And then I'm with the children. So it's like, almost like the things that I feel called to do fit better with a family life. Yeah. Oh, that's, you hit the, it's a perfect spot. Because right? yeah. it's the, the nine to five yeah. or that whole working yes. day does not work for me anymore. That going out there and, you know, it just doesn't work. Right. I need freedom now. I need to be able to be remote. I need to be a digital nomad if I want to yes. be, you know, I need to have that. I can't be tethered yes. to anything anymore. So you and I, right? yeah, so you're coming from, let's say this side, I'm coming from the back. Because what right. happened to me was I resigned myself to becoming this housewife in the U.S. Uh, and 
just live life happily for myself and my husband and my kids. But this year, it started last year actually, there was this whispering that started again and it seemed to be saying, you're supposed to do something else now. And from, I think, around October or September last year, I felt so uneasy. Like, are you familiar with the story of Samuel in the Bible? Uh, Samuel was being called. Uh, I, he was a prophet. He, he became a prophet. But one day he was sleeping and he heard his name being called Samuel, Samuel. So he gets up, goes to the, uh, the older prophet and said, yes, uh, what do you need? What can I do for you? And he said, no, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And this happens two other times. And then finally, on the third time, the older prophet says, okay, if it happens to you again, you say, yes, Lord, talk to me. Tell me what you want me to do. And that's exactly what he did. And he found out what he was going to be. That's what's happening to me right now, which is kind of making me crazy because I don't know, I need to decipher if this is um, delusions of grandeur, <laughs> you know, the ego can't let go, or is there really something that I have that I could share with people? And it doesn't necessarily have to be anything big or grand or big scale. It can just be with people who I encounter, but there is this call in me that says, I don't know what you're supposed to do, but you got to do it. And I'm like, well, tell me what it is because <laughs> I can't figure it out. And so I guess that's why for me, it's easier for me to say, put my dreams on the back burner, on the back seat for now. Because as soon as my children reach a certain age, I will have more freedom and maybe from this time to when I have more freedom is when I'm supposed to be building whatever it is, like the muscle or or this creative thing I'm supposed to do that I can't seem to decipher. So that's where I am. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. That that makes sense. Like it feels like that time you took in your life to be a mom was something you really needed to do. And it's kind of like completing the circle of your childhood. Oh yeah. Because in your childhood, it was the opposite experience. And so you need to fulfill mm. that experience. You need to close it so you can be there for your children the way that maybe you didn't get. So you're closing the circle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The, the parenting had been a definite path to my own healing because I right. could recognize, and, and this has brought me many tears in the middle of the day <laughs> because I couldn't understand like, what is going on here? But in trying to maneuver or help my children feel what they need to feel and understand what they need to do with these feelings, 
I start thinking to myself, oh my gosh, Dell, this is what you needed. This is what you right. didn't have. And it, Absolutely. And now, so I'll share this one crazy moment. My daughter is in a, a tumbling thing, a class, and they had a, a presentation a couple of weeks ago. And so in Utah, they opened up the, 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 the auditorium in the high school and family members started like filing up. And I'm not just talking about mom, dad, brothers and sisters, like aunts and uncles and, and grandmothers and grandfathers. And at the beginning, I was like, mm, so many people. And then I could see them like filling up the auditorium and I started to cry. It's like, Dell, what is going on? <laughs> whoa, 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 why are you crying? And I, and I asked my, I started digging and I told myself, this is for my, my daughter Harper. And she looks so much like me that I think it's easy for me to identify myself as her. And then all of us were there for her. And I started to cry because I didn't have that. And, and I went on to accomplish many things that the outside world said, this is great. You've made it. But nobody showed up for me. So it felt like, oh, okay. No, I did that. But it never really went down to the cellular, cellular level of myself to say, Dell, that was really good. No, Dell, it was really good. All the accomplishments that I felt that I had hit, they don't feel like accomplishments. <laughs> They're just things in the air. So what's that for? Doesn't mean anything. And so this is what made me cry. I was like, oh, Dell, you missed so much. I wish you could have gone through that with these eyes. But maybe that's not meant to happen. And I'm not going to do the what if. I'm just happy that I'm recognizing where my pain is and where my children are because they're not the same. Right. And I can't correct the mistakes of my own childhood in my children. That's That has nothing to do with them. And so it was... It was very moving. It was very, very moving. And I did this exercise with myself after that crying incident in the auditorium. And I pictured the 48-year-old Dell meeting the seven-year-old Dell. And they lock eyes and they slowly recognize each other. And there's a twinkle in their eyes. And the younger one says, you're so beautiful. Older one says, no, you're beautiful. And they, I, the older one goes down on the knee, on her knees, until they're face to face and they hug. And it's not about words. It's just this message of feeling, of heart to heart. I'm about to cry again. And that's why I know it's very powerful. So I hug her. And when I had said in a hug, what I most needed as a child, I was free. And yeah. the little girl skipped back into oblivion, but feeling lighter. And yeah. when I ex explained this to a friend, I told her, it's not 
physical beauty that we were talking about. No. It's this strength of character, of wanting to understand. <gasps> you can tell it's so deep. Yeah. I think it's also being seen, Del. Yeah. I think that little girl, she was never seen. Uh-huh. And I think the adult you finally, you saw her, you acknowledged her. Yeah. You recognized her. And you recognized her strength of character. Yeah. You recognized what what she where she was and where you are now. Yeah. And that's that's the most beautiful thing. It was very powerful. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm, I want to unpack a couple of things you said, um, Del. It feels like you didn't just have three children, especially not when you moved to Utah. It was like you had four children. The fourth was your My inner child. child. <laughs> yeah. And I think that time you had during the pandemic to really be there for your children and parent them in a way that was not possible yeah. previously. I think that that was the opportunity you got for that healing that needed to happen. I think in everything you did for your three children, you were doing it for your inner child who didn't get that. Yeah. You know, and, and in doing it for your children, you were doing it for yourself. Yes. And I think it culminated in that moment in the audience or in the auditorium when you recognize that what you didn't get, your children have. And you you did it. You gave them, which is kind of that secret goal, that unconscious goal, is to give them those things that you never got. And I think the recognition that you had achieved that is what set that inner child free as well. Yeah. And you were, you actually did an inner child healing <laughs> yes. with yourself without any formal training. You, you actually did it yourself. It's something I would take a client through. Yeah. It's a huge, huge, huge release. It's very, very powerful. You're absolutely right. And I think that that point was when maybe you came full circle. Like I said, you don't need to parent that fourth child anymore because she's all grown up now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that a big part of your life, all the achievements you did, you could never um, acknowledge them or they never seemed real to you because growing up, no one ever probably gave you those experiences of being appreciated and encouraged and validated. These are all things that we're supposed to get in childhood. Yeah. And we've talked about this yeah. right, in an eavesdrop episode before. But those are the things that you were supposed to get as a child. And whatever may be the circumstances, you didn't get it. And so all your life, you achieved, achieved, and achieved. Mm -hmm. And actually, you know, so many people like you, including myself, what we didn't get in childhood became our motivators. Yeah. They motivated us to be successful and to achieve and to, you know, go a lot further than we might have been able to. It fueled your, your, your desire to prove yourself to the world. Correct. Correct. And that might have worked for a while. Yeah. While we had the energy to do that. <laughs> yes. And at one point we said no more. Yeah. We don't want to do that anymore. But it did create. There was a benefit, mm, right? Yeah. It did serve us. 
um, until we realize we don't need that anymore. Yeah. And I think that is something you have been able to achieve is to recognize I don't need that anymore because I have, you know, I've completed what was incomplete in my own childhood, which is why I, I kind of also recognize those, those whispers <laughs> yes. that are showing up in your mind are because the healing is complete, Del. That part of your life is now, it feels like your past is complete now. It's resolved in a way yeah. with that healing. Do you, do you feel that? It, there was certainly something that happened. I never can articulate it so close to the event. It takes so, some time for me to understand what went on. I just go by feeling. But definitely, it feels like a lot of the fundamentals of my life were not the best foundation and because of the healing these things that have happened to me from last year around september to today there were conversations with family members that happened with friends with my husband with other people and it shook me right now as we are recording this i'm actually still a bit fragile because it felt, I went to a retreat two weeks ago. I needed to be away. I felt like I was losing my mind. And I've never felt like I would lose my mind. This time, though, it felt like it was being pulled in so many directions and the center would not hold. And I, it scared the shit out of me because I've never been in a situation like that. And I kept crying over, I was washing dishes, I'm crying. I'm crying, crying, crying. Anyway, all of a sudden I said, Del, this is not good. What do I need to do? I don't know why, but I said, you need to be quiet. You need to be still. And my husband said, do you want to go to Hawaii? I go, yes, <laughs> but I don't want to go without you guys. Like, you know, you were saying you want to be with the family. So I told him, why don't you just book me a, a retreat within the continental United States? A yoga retreat or meditation might be, that's something I would like to do. And I went on a retreat. It was so silent. And I was alone for three nights and four days doing yoga twice a day. And just being by myself, listening. I don't know exactly to what. I listened to the mountains. I listened to the trees. I listened to the stream. But whatever this was, it gave me space to breathe. I can't understand it right now. Maybe in a year, I'll be able to talk about it with much more detail and conviction. But right now, I'm just following what feels right. And so I was quiet. I got to know me a little bit more because the me now is so different. I need to get to know this girl again because she's hiding a lot of things. But what I realized yeah. was the foundation of my life had shifted and all the superstructures were being like toppled over. And that's why I'm crying because there's destruction. But this old structure has to go. It has to go, Del. Yeah. You just have to trust and when things started to get really scary for me in my mind, I remembered step out of the stream. Your mind is like a stream that just keeps going. Just step out of it. 
And then you can see, oh, yeah, this is what I'm thinking. There's so many things I'm thinking, but I'm not my thoughts. And I can step back when it gets crazy. And it helped. It really helped me. So I come out of the retreat. I feel strong, but kind of bruised and unsure of my footing, which is why when you texted me to say, hey, do you want a guest? The, I remember I'd said, yes, exclamation point. I didn't know why, but it felt like I needed to talk to someone who can talk to me at this level, who may have gone through so many things and we can now compare notes in a way that she's strong enough not to be scared. Because <laughs> I do want to let it out. I want people to understand this happens to women. And we are yeah. imprisoned in our isolation thinking there's something wrong with you because you're thinking all these thoughts. No. So natural. No. Yeah. yeah. That's why I'm so happy you, 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 you did that. It felt like it was the universe telling me, yeah, you got to talk about whatever that is, and it can't just be anybody. It has to be someone who's yeah. gone through many things as well. Yeah. I think this conversation was for me because I needed something, but this conversation was for you too. Oh, yes. <laughs> and you needed something from this conversation. But I do want to share, um, Della, you know, when we peel off one layer, then, and often when we do a good job of it, another layer comes up. <laughs> For us, because now your brain's like, oh, she's got this, you know, she knows she can do this. And so all this stuff starts coming up to the surface for us to kind of have to address. Um, that's one thing I wanted to say. And the second thing I wanted to say is in our conversation, we have come full circle too, because I want to end with where you're at, which is change is coming. <laughs> yes, change is coming. That is exactly where you're at right oh, now. Yeah. And I think you know it. Mm -hmm. You don't know what the change is, but you know that change is coming. Yeah. And don't fight it. Don't yeah, fight it's it. It's like a current. If you keep fighting it, going against it, you'll get tired. Let go. Yeah. Like that thing. You let it go to get it back. Right. <laughs> and then you can flow with yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. You are the current. You are the current. Exactly. You are that current. <laughs> yes. You see, this is what I mean. Nobody would have said that to me except you because you know where that comes from, right? <laughs> wow. What a poignant conversation. Like, wow, what a what a special conversation we've had. I really thank you, Del, for everything you said. I think everything you said was just exactly what I needed to hear. I'm sure what I said was what you needed to hear. Yeah. And I'm sure everything we talked about is what everyone <laughs> listening in had to hear. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so we hope you got something out of it. Yeah, because we definitely did. <laughs> yes. You and I definitely, you know, we just we just had therapy right here in this conversation. Yeah. Um, and that is that is the most beautiful thing to come out of any episode. Thank you. Of Project so Love Myself. Thank you, Del. I'm gonna ask you, as I always do, for your project loving myself mantra. Maybe the one takeaway from today's conversation or the one thing that you have been telling yourself to get through all of this. Um, you know, rolling that over to you. Uh, I think my mom, after what I've gone through, two things 
have become crystal clear that I want in my life heretofore. One is to speak the truth at all possible times, as much as I can, in whatever level people are prepared, because the truth doesn't always have to be deep. It can also be superficial, but it's real. And so at every turn, I want to be truthful to others and to myself. And if there will be some things that need to be said that might rock the boat, keep going, tell the truth. There's nothing to lose when you tell the truth to yourself and others. The second one is I'm done looking back at what I did not do, what I did not get, who did what to me, and when will my justice be served? I've laid it all down. And now what I want is to show up for the people in my life, the ones who are still here, give them the best of myself. So I think these are great things to aspire for. So maybe you can entertain the idea for yourself. What are the things you want to do heretofore? Amazing. I love that, Del. And it's, it's really, um, you know, everything in this conversation is really just synchronous because I pulled out something that you said in an interview in um, The Inquirer. You said at the end of the day, when you're real, you can't be more or less than what you are. <laughs> so be real. So true. And that's pretty much <laughs> what you said yes. about speaking the truth. That's exactly what you said. And I pulled it out and I was going to talk to you about it, <laughs> but clearly I didn't have to because we end on that note. <laughs> Thank you, Del, so much for today. Thank you. Thank you in, in more ways than I can express right now. I get you. Of how, I do. How important this conversation was. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Before we sign off, Del, okay. how do people follow you, find you, tell them about Eavesdrop, Eavesdrop Radio, and anything else you've got going on? So we have a podcast. It's called Eavesdrop, a podcast with Jude Racha, Francesca, and Jelly Victor. We come out with an episode every Wednesday and Eavesdrop Radio comes out every Monday. We're kind of DJs in Eavesdrop Radio. So you've got two choices to contact and get in touch with us. My um, IG handle is Delamar Arias on IG. Um, if you care to follow, you're more than welcome. <laughs> Thank you once again. If there is one episode that you have to share from, then it has to be this one because both Del and I were so raw and vulnerable. It was actually so cathartic. Please share your thoughts and takeaways from today's episode. Tag at Project Loving Myself Podcast and tag me too at Sanaya Gurnamal. If you love what you're listening to, then do subscribe and follow the podcast. Here's today's quote. The secret of change is to focus all of your energy, not on fighting the old, but on building the new. Like Dell said, at one point, the past is, it's over. It's old. It's time to let go because it is completed. And often you're going to need a little bit of healing to get there. But you can kind of close the book on that. You can, you know, find a different path. You can forge ahead. You can focus on what comes next. 
So what comes next for you? Thank you for joining me this week on Project Loving Myself, brought to you by Podcast Network Asia and powered by Pod Machine. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.